Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Week number 12. Almost complete. Uh, because as many of you know, I am going to the Kiss Show on Monday um, to uh, see them in person for the last time because this is their final tour. They're hanging it up, and and actually, I'm I'm feeling quite lucky at this point because uh, Paul Stanley, one of the frontmen for the band, has been sick with the flu uh, for the last several days, and it was getting kind of chippy there as to whether or not he was going to make it to the show. Uh, on Monday, but our fears were put to rest uh, yesterday when they did play in Indianapolis, not far from where I am now. They had the day off today on Sunday, so they'll be good to go for us on Monday to uh, to be able to make the show. If I've had these tickets for eight and a half months, man. I did not want to have that show canceled because it wasn't ever going to get made up. If they cancel it, they're finishing next Friday or next Saturday on the 2nd. Uh, for, you know, in MSG, that's going to be it. No makeup shows for the ones that got canceled. It's a raw deal, but it is what it is, unfortunately. So, so I will not be uh, preview or reviewing the Bears Vikings game for this episode. I will fold my review of that obviously into the Bears Vikings review episode that will come out anywhere from Tuesday afternoon to Tuesday night, depending on when we get back and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it might it might even be pushed back to uh, Wednesday morning. So I might it just might just be a busy week as far as like uh, you know, I'm just running it all. But actually, we got the bye week after this game, so I'm not really not really going to need to hustle too much, am I? Because I don't have review episodes or previews to get cranked out. Actually, I, what am I saying? I still have to do the NFL show. Dummy. <laughs> Anyway, it's been a crazy uh, weekend. It's finally come to a close as far as most of the NFL schedule uh, is concerned. As I'm recording this, uh, the Sunday night game is taking place right now. So I will fold that into the uh, all-out blitz um, later on, which actually we're going we're gonna to reverse course because that's just what we're doing uh, this week. And we're going to start with the pick six instead of the all-out blitz to give the game time to finish um, before we wrap things up. So let's go ahead and get started. This is the Week 12 review episode of the fourth phase. So let's get to it. Welcome to the fourth phase, presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. 
What a week of games, man. The the entire league is playing this weekend. Obviously, the, the Bears-Vikings wrapping it up all tomorrow night on uh, Monday. But, you know, it starts off with the Packers and the Lions. And for the second time, the, the Lions fall behind early and are trying to come back. Only this time, they didn't pull it off. Spoiler alert, that's basically my all-out blitz review of the game. But... Uh, the reason that I bring it up here is because, uh, yeah, they thought it was cool to come back and, you know, piss all over my team's effort. But, uh, and they, you know, they also decided to, to do it to me, they being the Lions, when I went all in on the Lions. I put all, see, my strategy was to stack up my points over the weekend because I thought every matchup on Thanksgiving and Black Friday, I thought was a lopsided game you have Detroit at eight and two versus four and six uh Green Bay you have San Francisco that's playing like a buzzsaw right now against the Seahawks who are kind of limping their way into uh this game you have the Cowboys against the Commanders that's not a matchup at all division rival or not you know, and the fact, the funny thing is, you all agreed with me. Everybody did the same thing that I did as far as like my picks. And then, then finally, the Black Friday game, I thought, you know, the Jets might have a little bit of a shot with the with their defense and everything. But unless the defense was going to be scoring the points, then I didn't really think they had a shot. So I went 16 on Detroit, 15 on Dallas, 14 on San Francisco, and then 13 on on Miami. And that strategy worked perfect if it weren't for the goddamn Lions, man. What? I mean, and it started early. Like the the the, the Lions never led in the game and it's just just like this is how this weekend's going to start. This is how this is going to go. You know, it's like because my my dinners were on Friday and Saturday. So we didn't eat quote unquote Thanksgiving dinner on Thanksgiving Day. We just watched a shitload of football. And um yeah, this is how it started with our, you know, division rivals, the team that just beat us in an epic comeback that they would not stop mentioning throughout the game. They they did kindly by not mentioning the Bears by name, but they kept referring to, you know, Detroit being down and how they pulled this off in, you know, three minutes, the, the you know, four days ago against, you know, on Sunday and blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, that was aggravating as hell. To, and then... The rest of the weekend went exactly the way that I thought it would. The Cowboys smashed the 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 Commanders. The the, the 49ers ran Seattle off their own field, and then Miami and the Jets uh, went about as well as I thought it was going to uh, on Black Friday. So going into Sunday, I was three and one, but that one loss cost me 16 points. So. I wasn't the only one who went all in on the Lions, but you know everybody picked the Lions, so everybody lost uh, that game. So in a way, it, it makes me feel a little bit better. But man, what a what a crappy way to get things started. The game I was most sure of, I was most sure, especially after they smashed Green Bay in Lambeau on Thursday night, that they would just do it again uh, on Thanksgiving uh, and everything. But if you want to give the bears credit for anything, I guess it, they wore the lions out because they didn't have enough to come back, uh, against the Packers on Sunday. And it cost me and pretty much everybody, uh, a ton of points, uh, in the standings, uh, this week. So yeah, very disappointing, but some, uh, a lot of fun games, some really good ones in the pick six. I ended up doing very well, uh, with my games that I chose to, uh, feature, 
uh, this week. But, uh, you know, a lot of divisional matchups, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati uh, this week, the Rams and the uh, Cardinals, the Chiefs and the and the Raiders, uh, you know, and like I said, the Ravens and the Chargers are playing right now, getting ready to uh, wrap things up. They're already in the fourth quarter as I'm talking about this. So, but uh, a lot of good games. So let's go ahead and dive into our pick six and get this thing underway. Pick six for week number 12. We'll only be doing five games in the pick six because the sixth game I did in the pick six preview was the Bears and the Vikings, and I chose that one, as I told you guys uh, on uh, on Thursday, that uh, biases aside, I, as, as a football fan, I was genuinely interested to see which Bears team was going to show up for that Vikings game on Monday. Would it be the team that kind of picks up where they left off uh, from the first 56 minutes of that Lions game, or would it be the team that's still jet-lagged from the four minutes of an ass-kicking that they took from Detroit at the end, blowing that game? So mentally, physically, I really wanted to see how that was, uh, how that would shake out. And, um, you know, so we won't be talking about that one because they're not playing uh, yet. They don't play until tomorrow. So we will begin on Thanksgiving night, but the one Thanksgiving game that I Featured in the pick six uh, this week was the San Francisco 49ers at the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And um, this thing was like utter domination for the 49ers from the outset. I mean, really from the beginning, they just marched right down the field and and put one in the end zone. It was a Debo Samuel uh, touchdown run from about four yards out. or so, and it was basically off and running from there. And the real story uh, of this game was field position. Field position, field position, field position. Because the 49ers had all of it, and the Seattle Seahawks had none of it. I mean, it was just an utter, just, it was a disaster uh, for Seattle. Every time they got the ball, they were deep uh, in their own territory, I, I was I was watching the um, I didn't watch the uh, the game on Thursday night, but I watched the condensed uh, highlights, and I kept waiting for them to show like a graphic of some kind that that showed what Seattle's average uh, field position start was because I know that the Forty ers were at like the forty yard line just about every time they had the ball, and you know it, it with a even after a great return from the Seahawks to get to the San Francisco 32-yard uh, line, the 49ers shut that down and s- settled for a field goal. So it's 7-3, and that's how the first quarter ended. Second quarter was all 49ers. They won that quarter 17 uh, to nothing. They're, tw- they're up 24-3 uh, at the half. I mean, but, but just to give you an indication... After the 49ers get the ball back from the field goal, they get a couple of first downs and end up punting the ball uh, back to Seattle inside their own 10-yard line. And then Geno Smith damn near trips his way to a safety. And I ran the play back at least half a dozen times, and I couldn't tell uh, because that's the only angle that we got in the highlights. But I couldn't tell whether he tripped over his own feet or if he got his feet tangled with the running back that ran across his face. So I don't know if it's his own fault or if it was just, you know, the running back trying to squeeze himself in there a little too uh, early or something like that. But 
he ends up falling down at like the two yard line. And, you know, it was like, well, that drive is done. So, but the ensuing drive for the 49ers after they uh, punt the ball away goes right back to, uh, you know, the 49ers go right back down the, uh, down the field. You know, they punted nine plays, 45 yards. So they started in Seattle territory uh, on that drive. You know, this time it was another short McCaffrey, uh, another short touchdown run. This time McCaffrey instead of uh, Debo Samuel, you know, and it was just like, and I, and when I was taking the notes, I was like the 49ers had outstanding field position the entire first half. This was the theme for the entire game. The, the Seahawks started with, with garbage field position for just about every uh every every game or every uh drive in this game. The one where where Debo where um Geno Smith trips, number one, that was on third down. And it was uh third and sixteen from their own one yard line and uh yeah, it was it was no bueno. I mean he uh actually I take that back. That was sec it was second and seven and that's when he falls down and gets sacked at the one. So, yeah, it was second and seven at the 10. When he drops back, he trips over his own feet or gets his feet tangled with the running back, falls down, gets gets touched at the one for a nine-yard sack. Uh, you know, they got nothing on third down, had to punt the ball away, and that's where the 49ers started at the Seattle 45-yard line, and it only took them uh, nine plays to uh, get the one-yard McCaffrey run, but this is how it went. Everything that could go well for the 49ers pretty much did, and everything that could go wrong for the Seahawks pretty much did because after they scored the touchdown, Geno Smith throws an interception on the second play uh, of the drive, and the, the 49ers had the ball in Seattle territory again, but that's where actually the Seahawks kind of cinched down uh, on defense and forced a punt. But again, they're punting from the Seattle 44. And the, <laughs> the punter was outstanding because he pins it back at the two for Seattle. So, I mean, it's just, it was bananas like that the whole time. They end up punting the ball away again. They got nine yards on three plays, punt the ball back. San Francisco starts at their own 42. So basically right at midfield again, Charges right down the field, eight plays, 56 yards, another touchdown. Uh, this time it was McCaffrey from eight yards out uh, to make it 21-3, to and then they added a field goal just before uh, halftime for it to be 24-3. to So, yeah, it's 24-3. to It's, like I said, everything that could go right for San Francisco did. Field position, forcing turnovers, quarterback sacks himself, the whole nine yards, and everything that could go wrong for Seattle did. You know, Geno Smith sacks himself. Field position average was like their own seven-yard line to start just about uh, every drive. Uh, you know, Geno Smith, uh, f- they're actually their best-looking drive of the first half ends in a missed field goal. So it's like after the 49ers kicked their last field goal to go up 24-3, to they actually put a five-play, 41-yard drive together that got down to the Seattle 35, but Jason Myers, for the second time in five days, uh, misses a 50-plus-yard uh, field goal. He missed the one on Sunday that lost them a game uh, to the Rams, 
missed another one. I mean, it wouldn't put a much of a dent into the score, but it's points on the board. And, you know, when you're when you're struggling that much, every bit counts. It could have meant, you know, some kind of momentum they were carrying into the uh into the halftime, but uh nope, kiss was or kick was uh was wide, come away with nothing. Started with the ball in the second half, got seven plays and thirty three yards, but that didn't uh go well. But the you thought there might be some kind of spark because on the first drive for the 49ers, a uh, batted ball or a tip pass uh, actually led to a pick six for Jordan Brooks, the linebacker or edge rusher for the Seahawks, made it 24 to 10. So they're still down two scores, but there's the spark. They got a spark. And instead, it, I mean, and especially since the 49ers went three and out on the ensuing drive after that. So they get the touchdown, they get the three and out on the next drive. They come out, and Seattle's best drive of the game, which included this crazy one-handed Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, catch to extend uh, the drive. 14 plays, 78 yards, six and a half minutes off the clock. Get all the way down to the 49er 12. Had to settle for a field goal. Yeah, it's, it's 24 to 13. All of that, 14 plays. Multiple first downs on the drive. They nearly ate up the entire second, uh, you know, a, a huge chunk of the third quarter with this drive, and they come away with, with virtually nothing. With virtually nothing. They, then they trade punts. Uh, you know, San Francisco punts the ball. Seattle punts it. And then the dagger uh, of, the, uh, of the night was uh, Brandon Purdy, or uh, Brock Purdy, excuse me, uh, finding uh, Brandon Ayuk for about a 28-yard touchdown pass with about seven and a half minutes to go in the game, made it 31 to 13, and that was your final score uh, for the uh, for the game. You know, Seattle put together an 11-play, 41-yard drive that ate up three and a half minutes of what was left of the clock, but ended up with a turnover uh, on downs. I mean, the 49er offense played really, really well uh, in this uh, in this football game. But in, 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 in reality, the, the kudos has to go to the defense and to the special teams. The, the Seahawks were held to 14 first downs, 3 for 11 on third down, only uh, 220 yards uh, of total offense. They, they got two turnovers uh, out, of the, uh, out of the Seahawks. You know, it just uh, – they really just shut the Seahawks down. I mean, and actually – it looked a lot worse on film than than what I'm looking because this, it's not good, but it's not awful either. What I'm what I'm looking at here, three for eleven is definitely not great, but you know, two hundred twenty yards, yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty, you know, uh, pretty bad day on offense. But you know, it, it just it looked a lot worse on film. I mean, I'm actually surprised it is that much after what I saw uh, in the highlights because it was Geno Smith running for his life, Geno Smith. Uh, getting sacked, uh, you know, and the 49ers basically doing whatever they wanted uh, on offense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they sacked Smith six times in this game. That sounds like a low number after the after the, the highlights that I watched. But, uh, you know, the, uh, the 49ers were my pick. I put a big fat 15-point total on them, and I got it right. <laughs> New Orleans at Atlanta somehow – a game between a 5 and 5 Saints 
and a 4-6 and six Atlanta Falcons team was for first place in the NFC South, which just tells you you shouldn't really worry about anyone coming out of the South in the playoffs this year. Although, with what the uh, Falcons did in the running game, that could carry some weight in the playoffs, but... It all comes down to who they end up playing up against, uh, who they end up against in the uh, in the uh, in the playoffs. Now the 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 Falcons were riding with Desmond Ritter because uh, Taylor Taylor Heineke um, was a hamstring or a groin, something like that, that uh, took him out of last week's game. So Ritter's back in the lineup for better or for worse, and this game just made no sense to me. It made no sense to me whatsoever because the Saints basically did whatever they wanted on uh, on offense in this game because the uh, Derek Carr and the offense going up and down the field, up and down the field, up and down the field, they ended up with over 400 yards uh, of offense, 444 yards of total offense uh, in this game, 6 of 14. Uh, on third down, 148 yards rushing, you know, but they didn't get into the end zone one time. So they basically, the Saints could do whatever they wanted on offense, but actually score touchdowns because they had five field goals in this game and actually could have had a six, but the kicker missed uh, at the end of the game to try to make it a one score game and, and pray for a miracle uh Onside, but uh, you know, Carr was throwing the ball all over the place to Olave, Taysom Hill, etc. You know, but the theme for the day was like the Saints could not finish their drives, and they settled for field goals every single time. You know, in their second drive of the game, they were moving right along, just chunking the ball down the field like they did on their opening drive, where they settled for a field goal, and it looked like they were about to take like early control of the game when Carr got picked off by Jesse Bates at the eight-yard line. You know, they're in the they're deep in Atlanta territory. Carr throws the pick. I have no idea what he thought was going to happen with this pass. And it's not so much about Jesse Bates picking it off. It's that his placement of the ball, he would have been lucky if his guy caught it at all because it was a running back coming out of the backfield. And the way that Carr threw it, it was going to be behind the running back, which would have hit the DB that was covering the running back in the chest. So, I mean, I think that pass gets picked off either way, but it just so happens that Jesse Bates saw the whole saw it the whole time. He saw a car staring down uh, the running back. He runs right across Carr's face, picks it off. Ninety-two yards later, it's uh, you know Bates takes it to the house and steals the momentum, uh, seven to three. And with the way that the Saints were playing. Offense, or actually the way I sh- the the way they were finishing uh, on offense, you know, the Falcons scored touchdowns, the Saints scored field goals, which means for every one time your opponent scores, you have to score three times, you know, two to stay in the game, three to actually be ahead. So I mean, the three to one ratio is not going to work. There's just not enough time on the clock to pull that off. So, you know, uh, later on after the Saints get another field goal. Uh, it's seven to six, but uh, Bijan Robinson, I guess Arthur Smith wasn't full of it when he said he was going to put, was going to give more work to Bijan Robinson. 
uh, this week. Robinson had 60 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown. Got that touchdown in the second quarter uh, to make it 14 uh, to 6. Uh, the Saints returned the favor uh, to uh, the Falcons when the Honey Badger, uh, Matthew, uh, picks off uh, Ritter in the end zone uh, at the end of the first half, made it 14-9 to at the half after another Saints field goal, uh, of course. but uh, And then Ritter threw another interception uh, to Matthew in the third quarter. The Saints were heading in to score, only to have the ball punched out of Taysom Hill's Hands. He did one of the, he was in at quarterback for that play. Decides to run it up the middle. Got a decent uh, you know, batch of yardage. Uh they're in Atlanta territory. Then boom, ball gets punched out just as he's going down, recovered by the Falcons, killed the drive, man. It just was not New Orleans Day uh today. You know, I mean it was and it wasn't because you know, watching the highlights, if they didn't have the score graphic at the bottom, you would never think that the Saints were losing this game. You would never think that they were losing, except for the lack of touchdown highlights uh, in there. But you'd think that the way that they're just moving down the field, one play after uh, the next. I mean, Atlanta really had no answer for the Saints from the 20 to the 20, you know. And uh, it just, it's remarkable. But to show you the kind of day it was, it was encapsulated in the touchdown that basically put the game away uh, for the Falcons. It's 14 to 12 because the Saints added yet another field goal from their kicker uh groupie uh, is his name Ritter is under pressure heaves one as he's you know falling onto his back foot and honestly on the highlight to look at it it looks like he's throwing the ball away my my knee-jerk reaction is he's throwing it away and instead he throws a dime to a wide open Bijan Robinson who catches it and runs it in for a 26 yard touchdown to make it 21 to 12 and that was pretty much it. The Saints add a fifth field goal. The Falcons pile one of their own from Young Wei Koo on top of that. You got your final score, uh, 24 to 15, in favor of the Falcons. Now, this is one that I'm upset about because I'm pretty sure that I picked the Falcons to start, and I, I changed a couple of my picks, and I don't remember which ones that I did, but I think it's like, the ones that I changed, I got one right and I got one wrong. So either way, it, it kind of evens itself out because I went from the Falcons to the Saints and in I, I went from the Bucks to the Colts. So I got the Colts pick right. I got the Saints pick wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, New Orleans. Just remember that in order to win the game, you got to actually get into the end zone from time to time. So appreciate it. Jacksonville at Houston. This game was a lot of fun, man. Um, you know, I, I was kind of making fun of it uh, during the preview uh, episode, thinking like, who the hell would have thought a Week 12 matchup between the Jags and the Texans would be for first place, that it would have anything to do with, uh, you know, playoff implications or uh, or anything like that. And this was the game that I ended up watching uh, the most, I'm almost pretty much from start to finish. You know, I flipped back and forth to see what the what other games were happening with the uh, – Checked in on the Saints and the Falcons. Checked in on uh, the Steelers and the Bengals, and you know, and things like that. But this is mostly the game that I stuck with uh, today. And I just got to say, you got to give a lot of credit to the Jacksonville defense in general, but more specifically to the secondary of the Jacksonville Jaguars. There were several times during this game where C.J. Stroud. <sighs> Reminded me a lot of another former Ohio State quarterback in Justin Fields as he just 
held on to the ball. Like he just would not give up on the play and throw the ball away or run uh, or anything like that. He was really just waiting for somebody to get open. His offensive line was blocking its ass off, and he was back there for an obscene amount of time with nowhere to throw the ball. And this happened many, many times. Resulted in Stroud getting sacked four times. And, you know, but sometimes he did pull off the hero ball, found a guy downfield for a 20 yard gain or, or anything like that because he wasn't short on the yards. 26 36 for 304 and two touchdowns, no picks. So he, he stayed clean again as far as that goes. But, man, the Texans need a running game. They need a running game bad because if it wasn't for Stroud actually scrambling six times for 47 yards, the rest of the uh, offense, the rest of the, their Singletary and Damian Pierce ran for 32 yards on 11 carries, so a little less than three yards a carry, not great. And then Tank Dell ran reverse for 12 yards, so altogether 44 yards between everyone who isn't C.J. Stroud was the total uh, of, of the uh, rushing yards that the uh, Texans gained slash Jaguars uh, gave up. They, If they can get a running game going, and unfortunately they don't have a first-round pick, but maybe they'll be able to find somebody uh, in the second round uh, that could be a, a solid running back uh, for them. Maybe they can find someone in free agency, but they really got to get that running game going. That's going to be their death knell if they make the playoffs. Because right now, with the spoiler alert, they lose this game uh, to Jacksonville. They're out of the playoffs now. It's like before, they were a threat to be in charge of this division. And you know, be like, uh, like the you know, to be a division champ and host a playoff game. Now they're on the outside looking in, and I have faith that they they could probably be one of that that seventh uh, playoff team uh, in there. But uh, you know, I don't think they'll last very long in the playoffs. If it's all going to be C.J. Stroud, you're going to be looking at a lot of games because I think what Jacksonville did today was kind of lay out the uh, blueprint on how to at least slow the Texans down. Because they didn't blitz, they didn't send the house after him, which in its own way is kind of frustrating. But C.J. Stroud is so good and so cool uh, in the pocket that uh, you're just leaving yourself open to to him finding that hot route or that hot receiver or that guy that you left open so that you could send an extra guy. So they're going to come with three, come with four. They're going to sit back in coverage and make C.J. Stroud beat you, uh, you know, when you basically you're daring him to throw. And granted, he got 304 yards and two touchdowns uh, today, but it wasn't enough uh, for, the, uh, for, the, for the Texans to, uh, to get the win. You know, Jacksonville also kept from making the mistakes that cost them the game uh, the first time around. Remember, they, they had that, that uh, accidental flubbed kick turned into an 85-yard kick return from their fullback uh, in that uh, in that game uh, and everything. There was one interception that actually shouldn't have been an interception from Trevor Lawrence because Evan Ingram was, uh, was, was held on the play. So it should have been defensive holding at the very least, if not pass interference. That ended up getting uh, picked off. But outside of that, the, Jack, the, the Jaguars avoided all the mistakes that absolutely killed them in their Week 3 matchup with the Texans. Uh, in Jacksonville, and despite the offensive line losing their left tackle and Cam Robinson uh, for the game with a, with a knee injury, I believe, so that could be a long-term uh, injury for them, the offensive line kept Lawrence clean. He did not get sacked 
uh, in this game. So, I mean, it was it was a fun back-and-forth game. It was a really fun game to watch. And as the international uniform snob that you guys all know me to be, I didn't hate the All-Reds for the uh, Texans. It uh, it worked. I didn't think I'd be a fan when I heard that that's what they were doing. But uh, it, it worked. It worked. I didn't like it because they wore the red helmets like two weeks ago. And they wore one of their alternative jerseys, but they wore it like their standard jersey, their standard uniform. Obviously, they had the navy blue helmet with the bull on the side. The navy head-to-toe in most cases. I prefer it to be navy and white, but the navy jersey, white numbers, red trim. The alternative jersey was navy jersey, white trim, red numbers with the red helmet. I didn't like it. Not a fan. And then I heard they were wearing all reds, head-to-toe, almost like a color rush kind of thing. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I, you know what? The funny thing is I didn't like it with the blue helmet, but I did like it with the all reds. I don't know. Call me crazy. It was a lot of red, but it actually uh, it worked. It worked for me. So, But anyway, um, you know, like I said, exciting game. The uh, Jacksonville had the lead 24-21. Uh, Texans went on a uh, drive at the, uh, at the end of the game there. Started at their own 11-yard line. They've got three minutes to go. You know, they're down a field goal. They were down 24-14. to 14. Scored a touchdown earlier in the uh, in the fourth quarter. Forced a punt from Jacksonville. They're starting at their own 11. First play, uh, Stroud to um, – or Stroud scrambles. And uh, there was a penalty on Jacksonville. Add five yards to the end of the run. Now out there at the 32. Uh, yard line. They're moving, chunking, getting the ball uh, down the field. They get all the way to the Jacksonville 39-yard line. It's fourth and 12. They have to settle for the field goal, and uh, that's the the more high-percentage move, but it was a 58-yard kick uh, for Amendola, their kicker, and it hit the front of the crossbar. So... That's rough, you know. If if they'd have been able to, uh, and they were, it was an incomplete pass on third and twelve. So it, even if they get that, whatever short amount of yardage that would have been, it would have been enough for the kicker because he hit the front of the crossbar. Which means if that thing is a yard closer, if it's a fifty-seven yard kick instead of a fifty-eight yard kick, it's good. It's good, you know. It that's how close it was to going to uh, overtime, but instead. It hits the front of the crossbar. The Texans come up short. The Jags move to 8-3. and three. And in that moment, at the end of the early games today, Jacksonville was the number one seed in the AFC. They ended up you know, surrendering that to the, to the Chiefs when they, beat the, uh, when they beat the Raiders in the afternoon uh, games. But uh, for that single moment, if the season were to end in that moment, the Jags would have had home field and a bye week for the AFC playoffs. What a crazy... What a crazy season this has been. But unfortunately, I thought the uh, Texans were red hot. I thought they would be able to to take this and and take the lead uh, in the South, but and they came up just short. They almost pulled it off, but almost wasn't good enough. <laughs> Cleveland at Seattle as we get into the afternoon games uh, on Sunday. It was... Uh, Actually, this was another pick that I changed. I initially picked the Browns just because DTR 
was good enough this past uh, last Sunday, uh, along with the defense, were good enough to get past the Steelers. But it's like as we were going along, I don't know. I, I guess it was you know starting to like Denzel Ward wasn't going to play. Uh, and there was somebody else that was just like I you know I, I was kind of iffy on Cleveland doing this because Denver's playing really really good football right now. Sean Payton's really got things turned around. Uh, you know, to go from one and four to be five and five uh, coming into uh, this one. So, you know, and Denver's at home. And, you know, despite it all, Denver's really tough in Denver. So I ended up changing my pick to the Broncos. Lucky for me. Because uh, at the end of this game, it was very clear that the Broncos were the right choice. Um, you know, and, and the offense never really got anything going uh, with DTR. Uh, today and he ended up getting knocked out of the game in the uh, was it either the late third or early fourth quarter somewhere in that uh, in that area and then PJ Walker uh, not able to be the hero uh, for the Browns uh, in this one but it kind of started right away you could just tell um, the 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 Browns go three and out and the um, Broncos go right down the field. Nine plays, 80 yards. Uh, they got some help from a pass interference call on Greg Newsom. Got the ball into Cleveland territory. Uh, finished it up a few plays later with a uh, uh, Samaje Pirine uh, three-yard touchdown run. Make it 7 nothing. And then on the ensuing drive, uh, Cleveland's moving it along and then fumbles it. Uh, when they try to run one of those plays, you've seen the Bears run it a few times where Cole Komet, our tight end, gets under the center, and then he's the one that takes the snap and then goes forward, tries to push the pile, uh, you know, an, an, another an offset of the uh, the tush push, the brotherly shove that the Eagles run so well. And uh, they fumble the snap. They fumble the snap, and the Broncos uh, recover it. Ends up being no harm, no foul, because four plays later, the Broncos fumble it back to the Browns, but they do nothing with it, give the ball right back to the Broncos, you know, in a three-and-out uh, situation. And then the Broncos go on a 13-play, 80-yard drive, last nearly six minutes, polished off with a uh, two-yard run for uh, Russell Wilson to make it 14 to nothing. So, you know, and then the same thing happened again. Or, excuse me, the Browns uh, finally put a decent drive together, but it stalled out uh, in Denver territory. Had to settle for a field goal. Then, as I jotted down in my notes, same thing happened again at the end of the second quarter to make it 14-6 to six, uh, at halftime. The Browns put 13 plays, 57 yards, 5 minutes for the first field goal, 11 plays, 67 yards, 2 and two minutes, two, 2 minutes, 42 seconds to settle for the second field goal. First drive ended at the Denver 18, second drive, the Denver 6. So they got inside the 10, couldn't punch it in. You know, it's kind of like the Saints who were just, you know, marching down the field at will uh, for most of the ball game. Had to settle for field goals uh, half the way. And then things got exciting to start the uh, to start the second half. The Broncos go three and out on their opening drive, and then the Browns finally put a touchdown drive together. A really good-looking drive, too. 13 plays, uh, 79 yards. Uh, DTR's throwing the ball really well, and, uh, you know, th- th- it looks like they've they've got something going. Uh, Robinson uh, hits um, uh, Bryant, the tight end, that fumbled the snap a few earlier 
in the ball game, finds him from a two-yard uh, touchdown to make it 14-12. to They go for a two-pointer to tie it, but uh, Amari Cooper drops the two-point pass. He dropped it. So 14-12, to okay. Denver kicks a field goal, makes it 17-12. Uh, to 12. <laughs> the, Then the Browns, they, they just fall apart from there. They fumble the ball back uh, to the... Um, to the um, Broncos. Why do I keep forgetting who they're playing? Good God. They fumble it back to the Broncos. Am I getting old, like, literally in real time here on the show? Jesus. They fumble the ball back to the uh, Broncos, and it was it was after DTR had gotten hurt. He got hurt on, like, the first play, uh, first, second play of the drive, second play uh, of the, no, third, third play, third down. Here it is. I'm, I'm looking at the play-by-play. Third play of that drive. Gets absolutely hammered uh, on the on the play. It gets flagged for uh, roughing the passer, Browning for the uh, for the for the Broncos. And I thought it was a good hit. I thought it was a a hard hit for sure. One that I'm not surprised that DTR ended up getting hurt from. But it there was no helmet to helmet contact. He wasn't leading with the helmet. It was a shoulder right into his chest, right into the sternum. So I was like, I wasn't surprised at all that DTR needed a minute uh, to get up. I'm not all that surprised to hear that he didn't finish the game after a hit like that because he he literally like was in the air when he gets hit because he was he like jumped up in the air to throw the ball, gets blasted in the chest. Uh, good clean hit in in my opinion, and I played offense, so I, I usually almost always side with the offensive players, but looked like a good clean hit to me. Um, he gets flagged for it. It's, it extends the uh, drive, but uh, literally like two plays later, the um, the Browns try to run a a reverse type play. It was like a wildcat type play because PJ Walker wasn't the guy that caught the caught the snap. Elijah Moore fumbles it um, as he's getting the handoff. It gets recovered. Uh, first of all, if even if Cleveland recovers it, they lose twenty yards on the play. But instead, it ended up being, uh, you know, essentially a 20-yard gain for the Denver defense because it was recovered by Dewan Jones at the Cleveland uh, 20-yard line. A few plays later, Russell Wilson uh, scrambles to keep a play alive, uh, very much like DTR did on the play that he got hurt. He just, he wouldn't let the play die. He just had to, He I think the guy was just desperate to get something going. They were only down, you know, 17 to 12 uh, at that point, a touchdown, they take the lead, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, get end up getting hurt on the play. And then same thing, Russell Wilson breaks the pocket. He's scrambling. He's eluding the defense, but he's safe. He's nowhere near uh, getting hurt. Finds Adam Troutman in the uh, in the end zone. And initially it was waved off as uh, incomplete because he was really close to the sideline. But Denver challenges it. Turns out Troutman was in bounds or actually his knee there was a little bit of green space between his knee and the sideline, which meant it was a touchdown, twenty-four to twelve. That was pretty much the ball game, uh, right there. You know, the Browns couldn't get anything going with uh, PJ Walker uh, at quarterback. The Broncos add another field goal uh, later on uh, in the fourth quarter, and then they cap off the uh, cap off the night with uh, you know the Broncos punted them deep into uh, their own territory. Uh, the Browns started at their own five. Three plays later, uh, P.J. Walker gets sacked in the end zone by Zach Allen 
for a safety, and there's your there's your final score, twenty nine uh, to twelve. Turns out that's a scoragami score. First time in NFL history a game has ended twenty nine to twelve. The Broncos coming out on top, and I successfully changed my pick from the Browns to the Broncos. So kudos to me for getting this one right. Final game of the pick six, or at least the final one we'll be able to talk about on this episode, uh, Buffalo at Philadelphia. And regardless of the outcome of the game for the Buffalo Bills, who unfortunately, spoiler alert, came up short uh, in this one, I'll say this. I do believe that the Bills have their offensive coordinator. Because after being an offense that it took, what, seven weeks to score more than 25 points when they put up 32 on the Jets last weekend, in a losing effort, they put up 34 uh, against the uh, Eagles, a much better team than the New York Jets, or at least a much more complete team. We can argue about whether or not Philly's defense is better than the Jets. But, you know, because that really is a context thing. I think if uh, if uh, the Jets had Philly's offense, the Jets might be undefeated. <laughs> that defense is really good. They gave Miami fits uh, on Friday. That was really something. And still, Miami still ended up with 31 points and all that kind of stuff. It was quite the mess. But, um, yeah. But even in a losing effort, they scored 34 uh, points. The the offense pretty much did what it wanted uh, in this game. And unlike the Saints, they were putting it in the end zone. They really put it on the Eagles to basically come and get them uh, in this one. You know, the the Bills were just outright dangerous on offense pretty much all day. From the start of the game, they were, they were much better on offense in the first half uh, than Philly was, and especially in the second half when they were just trading scores there uh, at the end of the game. So, you know, uh, Josh Allen was, was otherworldly uh, in this one. He was absolutely fantastic uh, in this game. I, mean, I was just, I mean, I've, I've always been a fan uh, of his and uh you know 339 yards two touchdown passes nine carries for 81 yards and two touchdown runs uh in this one he was basically just willing the uh bills into the you know into doing whatever they wanted uh in the first half you know they started off with a field goal i mean excuse me they started out with uh what was the the eagles that scored first and uh they went up 7 nothing, and then got shut out for the rest of the half after that. The Bills added a field goal. Later on, uh, you know, as I put in my notes, Allen was just willing the offense along in the first half. That's exactly right. Um, you know, they uh, the the Bills turned a uh, pass that was batted into the air uh, from Jalen Hurts. That was, you know, and Hurts' is only interception uh, of the game, but they turned that into a touchdown run. Uh, by Josh Allen to take an early lead, uh, ten to seven. Then the Eagles later in the second quarter flub a quarterback running back exchange. I mean the play was doomed from the start because I believe the the Bills had like a run blitz going and there was a defender immediately in the backfield. And instead of Hertz hanging on, to, I, and I think that's what the what the what the mistake was was that Hertz was trying to give it to the running back and the running back was like, well this play is toast. You should hang on to it. And Hertz just dropped the ball on the ground. 
because the running back wasn't going to take it because he could see the defender coming. He was going to block the defender. Hertz goes to hand it off to him, basically drops it on the ground. Buffalo uh, recovers, and then a few plays later, Allen finds Stephon Diggs uh, right on the goal line. He literally landed on the goal line, which is a touchdown, made it 17-7 to uh, for the Bills at the half. So the only thing that went wrong for the Bills was that their kicker, uh, Bass missed the field goal in the first half, and then he missed another one. Actually, he got that one blocked in the second quarter. Um, and it was like right inside of two minutes, too. He missed that field goal before they scored the touchdown, actually. It's like they got that field goal blocked. Then that was the drive where the Eagles fumbled. The Bills get it right back, put it in the end zone uh, this time. So, yeah, crazy. That that ended up being a blessing in disguise because it had the Eagles deep in their own territory. They make that mistake. The Bills capitalize, make it a 17-7 to uh, ball game. But he did miss one in the third quarter from 48 yards uh, out that obviously those two field goals would have made all the difference in the world uh, in this uh, game. But uh, the Eagles answer with a good drive after that missed uh, field goal to make it 17-14. to 14. So check this out. This is how the second half went after the fist missed field goal from Buffalo. So then it was touchdown, Philly touchdown, Bills touchdown, Philly touchdown, interception uh, from the Bills. So Allen extends that interception streak. He's now thrown nine picks in eight games uh, in a row now, which Philly then in turn turns into a touchdown to make it their first lead of the game at 28-24. Now they scored with 11 minutes to go in the the fourth quarter. And, I mean, it's just – it was so the, the game was so back and forth, and I actually missed the chunk of the uh, chunk of the game because we were eating dinner <laughs> from the like pretty much the entire third quarter. Uh, we were eating dinner because when I when we went to eat, it was seventeen to fourteen. Um, actually, it was twenty four uh, to fourteen. The when the Bills scored that first touchdown uh, drive. Uh, actually, they, they missed the field goal. Philly scores, make it seventeen fourteen. Then they march right down the field. Nine plays, 70 yards. Uh, found another touchdown scramble. Another touchdown scramble from uh, Allen. And it was third and 11. He's basically scrambling to keep the play alive, trying to get as many yards as he can. Ends up running it all in uh, himself. Uh, you know, turned a third down conversion into a touchdown run. And it was just, you know, like, man. And so it's like after that, we go and eat dinner. I come back. It's 28-24. So the Eagles scored twice. While we were uh, while we were eating dinner, so I, I didn't know about the interception until I watched the highlights again uh, afterwards, and because um, I knew that I missed that chunk in the third quarter, and it was you know like I said, just back and forth. The Eagles uh, answered with a uh, touchdown run or another touchdown pass this time to Devonte Smith to make it twenty four twenty one, and then I said you know the Allen. Ex- you know, extending his streak. It was James Bradbury that pissed the uh, pissed him off, picked him off, and probably pissed him off too. Uh, then Hurt found uh, uh, Zacchaeus, uh, the wide receiver for a twenty nine yard touchdown, where he just kind of hung it up. It was third and fifteen. He's rolling out to his left, which is never easy for a right handed quarterback. Heaves it into the uh, heaves it into the end zone. Double coverage. Zacchaeus just jumps up, catches the ball, comes down with it. Bang, twenty eight uh, twenty four. Uh, just like that. I mean, this and the Phillies going crazy. They're wearing the Kelly green, so it's an old school Eagles look. I love that old uniform 
uh, of theirs. They exchange punts, and then starting with the football, seven minutes to go in the game at their own 26. The Bills go on a 10-play, 74-yard drive to uh, take the lead with a minute and 52 to go. And that was, it was the, the, what was so impressive about this drive is that it was all runs, basically. It was run, you know, they were running the football right down Philly's throat. And you could really kind of feel, I was like, man, is the tide, is the tide turning here? Because, like, I know that, that, that Philly's winning right now. But it just seems like, you know, when you run on a team like that, and they're running up the middle. It's not like they were just doing weird, uh, you know, misdirections and stuff like that. It was, it's like they were handing it off to the running back. He was pounding it right down the middle of the uh, defense. Six yards here, seven yards here. They had they had three plays up the middle in a row for 10 yards apiece uh, on this drive. And then, the, the you know, the comedy in that is that, of course, it was capped off by a touchdown pass from Josh Allen to uh, Gabe Davis to, to make it 31 to uh, 28. And then showing why they are regarded as the best team in the league right now, why they have the best record in the league right now. Philly goes nine plays, only gains 34 yards. You know, as, as good as the drive was going, they were only able to get from their own 25 to the Buffalo 41, which set up Jake Elliott, their kicker, for a 59-yard kick, and it was just good. You know, he it, it very much reminded me a lot. Uh, if you guys see that snow game, the uh, the tuck rule game between the Patriots and the Raiders, that blistering snowstorm that was taking place. Um, Adam Vinatieri kicks a field goal in the blizzard snow that was happening, but that kick was probably never more than ten feet off the ground, and it very much looked like that. To me, because the it had plenty of leg, it made it just far, but it wasn't one of those high arching kicks. He very much kicked it for distance, and you know, just basically kicked a straight line where there was at least a fifty-fifty shot that that gets blocked at the line of scrimmage. Like that's how low the angle was when he kicked it, but it was long enough, and we went to overtime. Place is going crazy. Has Philadelphia stolen the momentum back? And then what really what I was really really impressed about was on Buffalo's drive they got the ball first uh, in overtime they're driving it down the field they put up a graphic that at that point I don't remember how many plays came after but at that point in the drive Buffalo had run ninety one offensive plays in this football game and somehow the entire Philly defense wasn't dead on the sidelines. From exhaustion. I mean, I'm sure those boys are feeling it now because we're about, what, five hours removed, four hours removed from that game being over with. I'm sure they're all feeling it now. But 91 plays that defense was on the field. And there were several plays after this as well. So, I mean, it was just an enormous amount of football that those poor bastards were on the field for today. And yet, somehow, they're still in the game. It's still tied, you know, in overtime. 92 plays. So there was one more play after that. I was wrong. 505 yards of total offense for the Bills. 13 of 22 on third down. 13 of 22. That is bananas. The You know, Philly was 4 of 11. That's like normal. But 13 of 22, which, I mean, that just makes all the sense in the world after you hear about 90-plus plays. Uh, being run. It's like Philly just could not get themselves off the field. 
at times. And a lot of that was Josh Allen scrambling for first downs uh, and things like that. So 173 yards rushing, 332 yards passing. Um, One thing that was really surprising about the first half and how well it went for Buffalo is they had 10 penalties against them in the first half. When when Jim Nance mentioned that's the 10th penalty today, I thought he was talking about combined between the two teams in the first half. No, it was actually 11 penalties combined, 10 against the Bills, one against the Eagles, and somehow they only had one penalty for the entire second half. That's, yeah, talk about cleaning things up. Uh, or maybe the referees just finally gave them a break. I don't know. But um, they, they march right down the field uh, in overtime. Josh Allen on third down. It was one of those choice uh, choice routes. And Josh Allen thought Gabe Davis was going to go to the inside. Gabe Davis went to the outside to do kind of like a post corner to the corner of the end zone. Miscommunication. Ball falls innocently to the ground. He was wide open. It would have been a touchdown if they were on the same page, but unfortunately they weren't. They settled for the field goal. And then in, the, in total opposition of that drive that the Bills had where they ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, and then threw a touchdown pass uh, at the end of regulation. This time the Eagles passed their way down the field and then capped it off on a Jalen Hurts quarterback keeper for the walk-off touchdown to take the win, 37-34, to improve to 10-1, and to win the game. Unfortunately, man... The Bills are 6-6 six and six now. They're definitely in the hunt as far as the, those playoff graphics uh, and everything go. So they're on the outside looking in. They finally, finally, for a team that's been as beat up as they have been, finally get their bye uh, in Week 13 along with the Bears and a few other teams uh, this week, or next week, I should say. But they got, they, get, they got two weeks to get ready for the Chiefs, so they got to go ahead and do this all again uh, in a couple of weeks. Hopefully... It will be enough for them to maybe pull off some kind of upset, keep themselves alive, because if this is what the Bills are going to look like for the last six, seven games, this is definitely a team I want to see in the postseason. And they've had p- pretty decent luck against the Chiefs in the regular season, so maybe you know not this Sunday, but the following Sunday will be the start of something for them. They can go on a run, get themselves to the playoffs, but we'll see. It's going to be rough in the AFC to uh, pull that off, but... If their offense keeps playing like that, they just need to get another stop or two out of their defense, and they're going to be a team to contend with. But like I said at the start of this, at the very least, I'm fairly certain that Joe Brady is the offensive play caller for the foreseeable future uh, for the Bills. So but, uh, I made the pick for the Eagles. They made me very, very nervous at times, but in the end, they came through for me and got the right, got me the, the pick. <laughs> So there you got it, guys. The Sunday night game is wrapped up, and the uh, Ravens have beaten the San Diego Chargers, as I predicted that they would. So fantastic. And uh, the final score was 22-10. So, hey, there you go. Now the Ravens are back at the number one seed in the AFC because their 9-3 is better than KC and Jacksonville at 8-3. So Baltimore's back on top. So... Let's go ahead and get them folded in and close this thing out with the all-out blitz and wrap up what's left of week number 12. All-out blitz for week number 12. We start in Thanksgiving morning for the Packers and the Lions. And for the second time in four days, the Lions let their opponent jump out to an early lead. 
But unlike Sunday against my Bears, their late-game heroics were not enough as Jordan Love and the Packers were too much for the Lions, 29-22 to to kick off the Thanksgiving games. Washington at Dallas, the mid-game for Thanksgiving. Dak Prescott went 22 of 32 for 331 yards and four touchdowns. And Sam, But Sam Howell threw for 300 yards himself. But Washington's 10 points were nowhere near as enough as the Cowboys blew them out of the water, 45 to 10. Black Friday, the Dolphins at the Jets. Here's how bad a day it was for the New York Jets. They didn't convert a third down until the fourth quarter, and a Hail Mary attempt before halftime turned into a 99-yard pick six for Miami as the Dolphins roll over the Jets. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati in their first game without Matt Canada. The Steelers gained over 400 yards for the first time in 58 games, but they only scored 16 points. Thankfully, they were playing a Joe Burrowless um, Cincinnati Vikings squad, so 16 points was enough in a 16-10 win for the Steelers. Carolina at Tennessee. Two Derrick Henry first-half TDs were all the offense needed by the Titans on Sunday as their defense sacked Bryce Young four times and held the Panthers to 10 points in the Titans' 17-10 win over Carolina. A key fourth-down conversion, Tampa Bay at Indianapolis uh, from Gardner Minshew to Mo Alley-Cox led to Jonathan Taylor's second touchdown run of the day. Turned out to be more than enough for the Colts to get him past the Buccaneers, 27-20 in Indianapolis. New England at the Giants. Mac Mac Jones actually beat out Bailey Zappi in practice to keep his starting job this week, but the results were exactly the same as the Pats' offense, despite outgaining the Giants, only mustered seven points and lost again, 10-7 to the Giants. L.A. Rams at the Cardinals. Matt Stafford went 25 of 33 for 229 and four touchdowns. Meanwhile, the Rams' defense held the Cardinals to 73 yards rushing and dominated in a 37-14 win over Arizona. Kansas City at Las Vegas. The Raiders got off to a 14-0 lead that included a 63-yard touchdown run by Josh Jacobs. But on the heels of two touchdown passes from Mahomes and two TD runs by Pacheco, The Chiefs went on a 31-3 run to win easily, 31-17. And finally, on Sunday Night Football, the Baltimore defense forced four turnovers that kept the Chargers from getting anything going on offense. Rookie Zay Flowers had a touchdown catch in the second quarter and a 37-yard touchdown run in the fourth to seal the win for the Ravens, who led the entire way 20-10. And there you go, guys. That is the all-out blitz for week number 12. I will obviously fold my review of the Bears-Vikings game into the Bears-Vikings review show. Uh, Keep your eyes on the social media, BTU underscore Larry on Instagram and on X or Twitter or whatever you're calling it uh, these days to find out when exactly that episode is going to drop. You can also join the Facebook group uh, on Facebook. Just search Bears Talk underground so you guys because that thing could be dropping anywhere from as early as tuesday afternoon tuesday night or maybe even push it to wednesday morning so keep your eyes open uh for that to know when the bears vikings review episode will drop and uh yeah i'm gonna go get some sleep and and get my beauty rest so i can be ready for all the energy that i got in me to give it all to kiss one last time when they play for us tomorrow 
at the Allstate Arena in Chicago. So uh, come back on anywhere from Tuesday afternoon to Wednesday morning for the Bears-Vikings review episode. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase, and we will see you next time. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.